Hello! <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. My name is Father Peter Buzzard. And my name is Scott Powell. This is the Word on the Hill, and we are the Lanky Guys, and this is our first opening <laughs> that we did. Chill. It worked. Uh, that <laughs> to, worked. Today. Oh my um, gosh. So far, I, I've sang like Guns N' Roses songs in the theme of Lanky Guys. Yes, we. Um, That's ta- not Guns N' Roses. Yeah, we talked it? about my vacation in Wales, but then just it just derailed and. Yeah, it's so, been a hard start to the podcast. It's been yeah. we've been we've been apart from for what three weeks now. Yeah, this is like something crazy. This, this has been four weeks since I've recorded with you. Wow, because the yeah because we did a double one week. And, I know I missed you. I missed you too. How was your grand tour of the world? It was awesome. What was your favorite part? Um, let's see. Let I, me guess. Can I guess? Yeah. Wales, dude. Tell the, me about why. Well, there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the craziest insight. Well, I loved Wales. I mean, it was—it's just wonderful. It's like a—it's like a—it's just such an interesting place because it's like British and, and Irish. It's kind of like if they—if you were to come together, it's like the melding land between the British and the Irish. Interesting. But everybody around Wales looked like all the women that were older looked like my mom. Is your mom Welsh? Yeah. Oh well, that <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tur- turns out that I got Welsh on both turns sides. Turns out. Wow. But dude, Welsh beef, man. Welsh I cannot beef. tell you how absolutely wonderful Welsh beef is. Really? Yeah, because they eat I don't know what's in the in the grass there, man, but like okay. and the, the, the vegetation that they chew. Okay. But it is absolutely phenomenally wonderful. Wow. The vegetation that they chew. Yeah, yeah. Like grass fed is a whole different world. It's not gamey wow. or anything. I mean, it's just like this totally unique taste. I was like, This is awesome. I want wow. more. Did you bring uh, any back? Did you have to declare it? (laughs) I have a side of beef. How do I declare that? Suitcase of beef. (laughs) Yeah, they don't like that. Yeah, and then uh, and and I loved Dublin, and I loved. uh, I was um, I was at. uh, You went to my happy place. Yeah, the Silver Stream Abbey. I went to Oxford. I Mm. I did not find your coffee house that you loved because you didn't look for it. Well, that's 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 the problem with not looking looking for for things. You won't find them. Right. Exactly. There's a spiritual metaphor in there somewhere, probably. There is. I have not yet figured what out that is. I think it's pretty simple. Um, but when well, I was at the Silver Stream Abbey, yes. I saw a bunch of American priests. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Father Kyle, Father Andrew, Father Matt, Father Jason, and Father Oh, are these Father shout-outs? Kent. Yeah. You're just, you just slipped it right in there. Yeah, yeah dude, those are shout-outs. What's up, guys? Did I don't think I don't think so. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for nothing, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for everything. No. Well, I want to give a shout-out to a bunch of people that I haven't met. Um, Gage Shirley met a bunch of our listeners and friends in Texas. He did the grand tour of Texas a couple weeks ago. Um, I pledge allegiance to the Texas flag. It's just a star, right? Yeah, man. It's don't mess d- with Texas. Yep. Anyway, don't mess with you guys. So thanks for listening, all of you who met Gage. He told me so many great stories about some of our listeners down there. So shout out to all of you guys uh, in Austin and Houston, and he was somewhere else too. San but Antonio. San Antonio. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks for your support of all our work. You yeah. it really, it just makes a huge difference. And and uh, Gage is a super cool dude. Gage is a pretty cool guy. He's got a weird name, but he's a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I gauge things with him. Uh, uh, all right. All right. Our first reading is from Genesis. Hold on. The it is the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, otherwise known as Corpus Christi. We should note uh, that. Because it's a big day. It's a big solemnity. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. These are interesting uh, readings for de Christi. So Which confused. it used to be uh, on this day, but we moved it to the Sunday. Oh, it used to be Thursday. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Just like, like the Ascension. The, the Assigned Thursday? Ascension is what I was going to say. Uh, yep. 
the Ascension Thursday. All right, so our first reading is coming from Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. That was mine to do. Well, I took it because you lollygagged. What? Lollygagging <laughs> <laughs> is such a weird term. Is all it reminds me of my high school track coach. <laughs> Dude, it reminds me of me, me and my brother sitting at a bus stop, not in Wales just now, but when we were boys. And we really decided to uh, how we decided we were going to figure out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. It takes a lot more than three, like that owl said. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so then our responsorial psalm is Psalm 110. Okay. One, two, three, four. Four B is the response. Four B. And our second reading is coming from First Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23 through 26. And then there is a sequence. Laudo Zion. Laudo Zion, your salvation. Do you know where the sequence comes from or who wrote it? Or It's not scriptural. I mean, it's it's based on scripture, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it comes like right after something and right before another thing. Oh. The second reading in the gospel. Oh, this sequence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get, I get uh, it. That was, that, I mean, that was oh. an official dad joke. I have no idea. Um, I have to tell you that the cor- the Corpo de Christi um, sequence is uh, very long. Yes, no, it's a long one. It's it's awesome. So our gospel and is... And you made a dad, jo- dad joke about it. I did? You made a dad joke about the sequence. You just We just had this conversation. When? When you just made the sequence joke. J- just like before, you said before, jo- before what I was oh, doing. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, Come on, I was luring you. So there I was at a wedding one time, okay. right? And there was this little kid who was bringing the rings up, <laughs> uh-huh. and he was stopping at every pew, growling at the people <laughs> in the pew. And eventually he got to the front after a lot of growling. And after the wedding, somebody asked him, I was like, well, why were you growling the whole time? And he's like, well, they asked me to be the ring bearer. Oh, no. That's, Bear. That makes it? me so happy. Yeah, it that's should. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I'm Genesis. because of the kids. Oh, for pizza. And then our gospel is Luke chapter 9, Didn't 11 you say that B yet? to 17. No, you interrupted me because of the, the <laughs> ring bear. Dude. It was worth it. It really was. That was, that was awesome. Okay. So, um, so we, we start um, in uh, the book of generations. Nope. That's not true. That would be the Hebrew word toledot. This is Bereshith in the beginning. Genesis, the book of Genesis. Uh, have I lost you? Have <laughs> no. you lost interest in the podcast? <laughs> yeah. All right. That was no, I, this, I, I, I don't want to do the podcast anymore. Thank you that's, for that's listening. That's the face you were giving me. I quit. Sure. <laughs> that was definitely the face you gave me. Okay, I don't quit. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Uh, all right, Genesis no, 14. So, I was talking about myself, not oh, you. Quitting. <laughs> I don't think either of us should. Okay. How about we stick let's, to it? Let's, let's stick to our guns. It's called stick to ativity. <laughs> stick to ativity. All right. So this is the famous story, or I, I think it's famous, <laughs> famous to me, of Melchizedek. Mysterious. The mysterious king of Melchizedek. peace. The king of Salem. Shalom, which is peace. Um, okay. What do we say about Melchizedek? Let's catch us up. This is a weird... I, I was wondering, and I didn't remember three years ago when I didn't go back and look, but I knew it was Corpus Christi coming. I was really curious what readings the church would choose yeah. to drop on us for Corpus Christi. Right. And um, this is these are not surprising ones, but they're very interesting. So... Uh, Genesis 14 drops us into the story of Abraham, who is at the time Abram. His name hasn't been changed yet to Abraham. And Abram, he is, you know, the father of faith. He's one of the greatest and and first of the patriarchs. Uh, everything's kind of based on him. Um, the 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 Jewish, the Islam, the Islamic, and the Christian faiths all root themselves back in Abram. He's a hugely significant figure. And he was the man that God called to leave his family and his kin and his homeland 
behind and start following God to a place that he had not yet shown him. And so part of what we remember Abram for Abraham is as the model of faith, moving forward to this place that God hadn't shown him. And so as Abraham, and, and God makes all these promises through him that his de- he will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He will have, his descendants will have a land that is their own. They'll have a great kingdom. They'll be a blessing to all the nations. So all the things that we see fulfilled to some degree in the Old Testament, but ultimately in the church, are all the promises given back to Abraham. So he's sort of the, the heart of all of this stuff, right? Right. And so when we meet Abraham in this story, so he's he's gotten on the road, he's moving as God has asked him to. There's some ups and downs. I had a professor who likened him to a heart monitor, right? He's always making really good decisions or bad decisions, up and down, up and down, which is a great model of, of you know following God. Well, it's not a great model of following God, but it's a, it's a realistic, it's an accurate model, I guess we'll say. Um, but uh, we're thrown yeah. into this weird moment. So one of the things that he does that he probably should not have done, so God makes it really clear um, he is to leave behind his family and his kin and everything that he's known and move forward in faith. And then Genesis very subtly tells us, oh, by the way, he brought his nephew with him. And you're like, it doesn't say, it doesn't give you any commentary on that. But after telling you, leave behind all of your extended family. Oh, by the way, he brought his nephew. It should be this little warning flag of like, eh, maybe he shouldn't have done that. And his nephew's name is Lot. And Lot causes a, a lot, lot of problems, of problems. Right? Yes. And basically, they're kind of squabbling over who gets what land at the point where they kind of land, where they land. Um, <laughs> and Lot chooses this really nice portion of land, and eventually a war breaks out over this chunk of land that his nephew took. Right. And Abram is like, I gotta step in and fix it. So all of these kings are fighting these, these armies. Abraham... Uh, over time has actually gathered for some good reasons, some bad reasons. He's acquired a lot of people and servants and animals. So he's actually, by this point, a pretty powerful guy, which you can make an argument that that probably shouldn't have been the case in all ways. Right. Um, he took some of them from Egypt where he shouldn't have gone in the first place. It's a, it's a fascinating story. I'm getting ahead of myself. Or I'm getting behind myself, I guess. <laughs> anyway, war breaks out. Um, Abraham has to step in and, and save his nephew. And so he defeats all these kings who are fighting against all these other kings, which makes Abram, this sort of unlikely figure, the king of the kings, right? He defeats everybody and he sort of wins this war, saves his nephew, of five armies, rescues the pretty girl, and does, you know, does all the. He's the hero of, right. fi- of these five armies. And you're like, holy cow, wow, Abram's really powerful. And he's got a lot of manpower, and that's impressive. So after he's defeated all of these kings, It says, in those days, sort of out of nowhere, this guy named Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. Salem will later become Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It actually, the name uh, derivative comes out of, remember later on when Abram will be asked to sacrifice Isaac up on the mountain? Yep. When he's asked to sacrifice Isaac and, and God stays his hand and... Um, he provides a ram for him to sacrifice. He calls the name of that mountain Yahweh Yiro, yeah. which means the Lord, Lord provides, provides. Yeah. Um, which we know is probably very close to the city of Salem. And if you put them together, eventually over time it becomes Yairo Salem, Jerusalem. Oh. So that's where we are right now. And at the time it's just called Salem. It always makes me think of the band uh, Spyro Gyra. Spyro Gyra. I remember them, but I, I know, don't know I, why. I don't know either. I mean, but like, 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 like as soon as you say <laughs> Yairo <laughs> yeah, it yeah. really makes well, me think of Spyrogyra. I think you already said that. <laughs> it just sounds like you're repeating yourself. Yeah. Which is like this. Oh, this is like this. Oh, there it is. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yahweh, you're a Spyrogyra. Do you think that's the music that was playing while Abraham was waiting for the ram? <laughs> was that totally inappropriate? <laughs> Theologically? <laughs> All right.
Dude, it sounds like an elevator this music, is, right? This is by Happy Elevator Music. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay. Or the cosmetic counter at Montgomery Th- that Ward was a in very... 1987. Oh, Montgomery Ward. <laughs> oh, jeez. up. I did. Yeah. Uh, what the heck were we talking about? <laughs> talking about? Okay, this is so my, there, there you know are. that's my job. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Believe me, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so that that's all forthcoming. So this King of Salem, which is a very important city, comes out and it says, let me get back to my, my Bible. Uh, it says, and being a priest of God most high. So there's a lot of school. People are utterly confused. If you start to dig in commentaries and Bible notes and stuff, people are utterly confused about who this guy Melchizedek is. He's this mysterious figure who kind of comes out of nowhere. Some people think it's a theophany. Some people think it's an angel. Some think, people think it's a pagan king. Um, he's very confusing. He kind of comes out of nowhere. Don't somebody, like, isn't there, like, pointing to he, like, as the bearer of, of blessing of some, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. I, 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 this is the thing. Do you not know? I, you I, not know where I'm going I with this? I always, I always forget. Like, I know this and then I forget it again. And it's a theory. I don't know, but there's a compelling theory about something. So, so we'll get there in a second. Uh, he's a priest of God most high. I, I don't think he's a pagan king, as is the, the, the probably most common interpretation, because it says he's a priest of God most high, which is a very specific title for Yahweh. So he's a priest of Yahweh. He's also a king, so he's a priest king. He's a king of a place called Salem, which derivative in, in Hebrew is Shalom. So he's a prince of peace. He's a king. He's a priest. Uh, he blessed Abram, so he's someone who can impart a blessing. He said, blessed be Abram by God most high, the creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your foes out of your hand, and get Abr- Abram gave him a tenth of everything, which is the most significant part of the story, I think. Well, it's one of them. I mean, I, I've so, re- I really thought if, if you are struggling with your identity, you end up very tenth. 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 I get it. I, I, I got there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, tenth. Now I can't hear anything but that. Oh, for God's sake. What do you call it when you give someone a tenth of something? You loosen up. Um, oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, you tithe. Yeah, it's a tithe, which we, we think of tithe in religious connotations because you tithe give it to mass God. and stuff. But it's also um, the equivalent of what we call a tribute. So oftentimes in, pol- in the political sense, a king would give a tithe, or in other words, a tribute to a king who is greater than he is, right? Yeah. Cause, As a way of you, coming under their protection. Right. Way. And then you're a tribute. Yeah, exactly right. 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 Is that a joke that I missed? No, no. You're a tribute. Isn't yeah, that yeah, the, yeah. the 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 what what is the movie? The 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 arrow, the archery movie. The <laughs> oh, um, Katniss Everdeen. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah uh huh. Got it. Mockingbird, Mocking Jay, Mocking Mocking Things. Um, what what the heck is the movie? Arena of Death. Oh my gosh. Fortnite. Okay, (laughs) moving on. Okay. Somebody's yelling at their phone right now. Um, Gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram, who has just defeated all of the kings, who are fighting all the other kings, which made Abram king of the kings, now there's someone greater than him introduced, who he gives a tribute to. So whoever this person is, is greater than Abram is, having now defeated everybody, which is a big deal. Yeah, I'm wondering what we're going to attribute to him after this. Oh my gosh. He's a priest. He's a king. He's greater than Abram. He brings out bread and wine. He's king of He's kings. king of Salem, Shalom. He's king of peace. And the name Melchizedek, here's the key to the whole thing. Melchizedek is not a name. It's a title. It's a title. So Melchi and Zedek put together. Zedek means righteousness, and Melchi is a reference to a king. So Melchi Zedek means the king of righteousness, which if you name your kid the king of righteousness, like that's a pretty pretentious name to give your little kid like it's not it's not a name that it really makes joke. me want to do a dance <laughs> the, <laughs> the king, king of, of righteousness the nations <laughs> that's not what it is um yeah so so it's not a name so who is this well there is 
yeah, like I said, there's all these different theories, but there is a very compelling theory that comes to us, actually shows up in the Targums and some of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it's a prominent Jewish theory that Melchizedek is actually Shem. Do you remember Shem? Yes. Not Shep from the, the Three Stooges, the replacement for Curly. <laughs> so was that Shep? I can't remember. Shep, I don't I think. Know, man, yeah, that's... no, it's not him. Shem, though. Shem Ham, was... Shem, and Japheth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the order's important because Shem, Shem oh. was the firstborn son of Abra- uh, of, of Noah. Remember Noah oh, and yeah, the flood? Yeah. And, then, and the other two had the nakedness thing happen. Yeah, that, was, that the, got the, weird. The, uh, the kind of political power play to- Exactly right. To make babies with mom. But sh- <laughs> Yes, that's the, there's a lot more behind that yeah. reference point. Um, but Shem, actually, I believe, I could be wrong on this, but I'm I'm 88% sure that Shem is the only firstborn son in Genesis that's called righteous. Remember, the firstborn son of every family is the one who's supposed this, to receive the priest. blessing, the natural priest of the family, right. supposed to give blessing to everybody else. That's that's and, why the firstborn would always uh, so go to the temple to, yeah, to right. surrender their priesthood to the Levites, and exactly. then they took it After up. that point, yeah, right. exactly right. But usually, especially in Genesis, they all stink. All the firstborn sons are lousy, except for Shem. He's the only one who's actually called righteous. So the only firstborn son who is called righteous is now showing up as the king of righteousness. And if you think about this, based on if you, at least a literal reading of the ages that Genesis gives you of these people, yeah. uh, Shem would have still been alive in this time. Oh. The math actually works. Wow. And if Shem was alive, then that would make Shem probably the most important person on earth because Noah was the savior of all of humanity, and he was the father of every human being alive at that time, essentially, remember? Yeah. Which makes his firstborn son the most important person on earth, the king of kings, in other words, the right? The king of everything. The king of everything, who is also a king of righteousness, who is a king of the city called Peace, who brings out bread and wine. He's a priest king. All these things, it's really fascinating. And he imparts this blessing that came from his father, Noah. So there's, again, it's a theory, but I think it's a really compelling one that this person actually is Shem, which is why Abram gives him this deference and this reverence. And the reason all that is important is because it's an interesting story and it's an interesting theory. But why does the church choose this one to point us toward Corpus Christi, which is the feast of the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Well, it's because Melchizedek then, from this point on, becomes the model for what the the we understand the Catholic priesthood to be, which is why when every priest is ordained, when you were ordained, they said you were a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, right? right? Shows up in the liturgy at Mass on Sunday. Because Melchizedek is a king of peace, he's a king of righteousness, he is a priest and a king, and he brings out bread and wine for his sacrifice. Um it actually says, so in, in the translation we get, it says, in those days, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of God most high. But there's a grammatical rendering. You could translate that. He brought out bread and wine because he was a priest of God most high. So a lot of people read this and they're like, oh, he was a priest, and he happened to bring out some snacks for everybody because it's like the soccer mom with the orange slices, right? You had a big battle. Here's some here's some bread. Yeah, that's not what's going on no. here. It actually says, no, no, he brought out this. This was his priestly offering, right. which was fairly unheard of because they offered animals in sacrifice. But he brings out something different, which is a foreshadowing of what the ultimate priest king, king of righteousness, king of peace, who will give bread and wine as sacrifice as his own body will ultimately do. The father of all. The father of all. Jesus, right? right. So this is ultimately, uh, knowing all of these little pieces 
will paint this really dramatic and beautiful picture of who Jesus actually is. Yes. Which is why when every priest is ordained, this is the image, the icon that we're sort of uh, that you're sort of branded with, so to speak. Right. Because this is in such a clear, dramatic way what points us toward the priesthood of Jesus. And Melchizedek is also a reminder that the priesthood of the Old Testament is is secondary to the priesthood of the New Covenant. Right. It's not nearly what Jesus is going to do in the future. And Melchizedek sort of uh, uh, um, images that. Does that make sense? Right. Which leads us into the psalm. It you, does indeed. Which is, uh, you know, the response, it, it, you're a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Yeah. So we, we see, like, what is the line of Melchizedek? It's It's actually something that's that's like deep and Hebrews actually really takes a lot of time to actually go through what that means um, in a, in a yeah, deeper yeah, way. We don't, we, we don't get it this week. You know, there's only three places in the whole Bible where Melchizedek is mentioned. This, the he- Psalm and Hebrews. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's the only places. So yeah. you've covered all of them. Way to go. Hey you. man, I, uh, well, cause, the, cause he intrigues me so tremendously because what does he it should. mean to have a priesthood that doesn't go away? A oh, priest Hebrews. forever. I mean, and, and even just the response in responsorial psalm. Does it does that talk about the not having a priesthood that doesn't go away? You are a priest forever. Oh, the priest forever. Well, I think there is a because in Hebrews it actually unpacks that even more and says he is without father or mother or genealogy. Do you right. remember that? Yeah. And and Hebrews is trying to make this comparison. It's trying to show why the priesthood of Jesus is better than the priesthood of the Old Testament, the priesthood of the Levites in, in, in the temple system. And one of the arguments that Hebrews makes for why the priesthood of Jesus is better than the Old Testament one is because Melchizedek had no father or mother or genealogy. Right. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? It's basically saying Jesus is like Melchizedek because Jesus didn't, or because Melchizedek didn't have a father or mother genealogy, which is weird because what do the Gospels go out of their way to show you? His genealogy. His father and his mother and his genealogy. And you're like, wait, what now? Which is what leads a lot of people to think, oh, maybe it's an angel or like a theophany or some mystical figure without parents or a genealogy. That's not what it means. And Hebrews is actually a technical term without father or mother genealogy is a technical liturgical term because in the Old Testament, at least after the golden calf thing, when the Levites take on the priesthood when they take it away from the firstborn sons. Yeah. Every Levite to be ordained a Levitical priest has to produce paperwork, genealogical paperwork, showing that their fathers were Levitical from the Levitical line up to, I think, like 10 generations, and their mothers were Levitical blood up until however many generations. Wow. They have to produce paperwork of their father and their mother or genealogy. And so Hebrew said, and no, Melchizedek did not have is, Ancestry.com then. They didn't have Ancestry.com, so that was a lot of paperwork. I know. But G- Hebrews is saying, well, no, Melchizedek is greater because he doesn't have to provide paperwork. He is priest because of virtue of his being the son. Right. Which is why he's like Jesus. Not that Jesus doesn't have an earthly father and an earthly mother and a genealogy. He does. Right. But his priesthood is dependent on his being the only begotten son of the father. Mm. Which requires some unpacking, but it teaches us a lot about what Jesus' priesthood is, which is a return to what God had originally planned for the priesthood, and then some, and like a hundred times more, which is kind of beautiful. And I love this psalm because it makes sitting places fun. Sitting places is fun. Sit at my right right hand. Yay! And then when you ever ever think, who's who's on your right? You're like... Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit upon my right. Your foes I will put beneath your feet. I believe that's what he said to David about Solomon. I think that's a quote from Second Samuel 7, I believe. 
so that's one. It, so it, it, when the reason I point that out is that not only is the psalm a reference to the priesthood, it's a reference to the king of kings as well and the sonship of the king. So all of this is trying to show on the Feast of Corpus Christi, we haven't really talked much about the Eucharist. We're talking about the identity of Jesus, who is priest and king forever, which is actually kind of beautiful. Well, that's that's how we like understand what the Eucharist is. It's it's actually how we get dimension. This has right. been prepared for for all time. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it's not abstract. It's concrete. Right. I mean, it was really interesting when I was at Silverstream. We would we were doing a, a table reading from a history of monasticism. And as I'm sitting there in the midst of a bunch of monks who are doing all Latin, eight eight hours a day of psalms. All Latin, all the time. All Latin, all the time, extraordinary form. And like this thing of living this like quiet and like a very, like a strict monastic rule, happy mm-hmm. guys in a strict rule. Mm-hmm. I, we were reading the history of monasticism and it read like news. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it was the weirdest thing that I've ever had because huh. like, there's something that's so profoundly disconnected about our experience mm-hmm. of daily life. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that, that we forget like that this is like news. When we're living in grace, right. what, what, we're li- what we're talking about as we're doing mm-hmm. this is it's, it's news. This, this is important things. That's why we do it every week. It's fresh. The Holy Spirit is here. And, um, yeah. and so... So yeah, yeah of, of course it, hmm. we can feel disconnected from it, but this is our history. But to feel disconnected from it is to miss what it's saying to us, right? We should be being like, oh, I mean, that's that's the intention of the author, right? Is trying to blow your mind, which is kind of cool. With news, like when he says that Melchizedek did all these things, you should be like, oh, whoa, that's the connection between. Sham! Oh wow, and this thing this can connects with this, which which we can get there on this program, absolutely. So let's get there. Okay, Second Corinthians. First I received, Corinthians. Whatever. Um, <laughs> second whatever. reading. Second reading. Oh my come gosh. on. I just want to get the the, the uh, proper titles of everything. I know you're right and good. No, no, I'm just I'm just messing with. Well, you this is the thing. Okay, I received from the Lord what I handed on to this you. This is Saint Paul talking to the Corinthian community who are off the rails. I received what I hand on to you. So, like, that's actually the thing that we were just talking about. How, like. Like this, this sense of history and of news that these authors are saying, no, we've got to transmit this. This is actually vitally important. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't know if you've experienced this recently, but me like, or them, you, oh. uh, maybe them out there, but like sometimes I, like I, I just in an age where I see Christianity and wider culture waning, mm. there's this, there's just this part of me that goes like, why is the gospel not being communicated or mm-hmm. not being effective in people's lives to set them free? And it's it's like a it's actually a really existential hard question that I keep yeah. asking because because I believe, but but like I I just I just don't know what what needs to be done to make it effective and living and vital that what I've received I can hand on. I mean that's kind of the like that's the existential thing that I bring into this podcast as we talk. Is that like I know that it can be effective, and I mm. and I and I know a lot of you have had such a profound experience, um, but I, I know that when you when you attempt, you go, Lord Jesus, please show up, but mm. that he, but and and that's that's actually where you know like, uh, um, it's it's hard. It says you know sometimes preaching is is difficult to take in in mass. 
<laughs> and uh and to and, and you so, so many so, jokes to make. I know, I'm I know. And, and sometimes it's my preaching no, is just terrible. Never, it's Actually, never yours. This last Sunday was a little rough, but I that's liked okay. it. Did you? Samuel remembered it. He's been talking about it all week. Oh yeah, he says snoring comment. Yeah, I was talking about how I snored, and uh, and my brother was getting mad at me. He remembered because... nothing else from the homily. But he remembered that your brother got mad at you for snoring. <laughs> I know. It says snoring is not a moral quality. <laughs> <laughs> the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. But. But that, you know, I, I know that sometimes uh, very faithful Catholics will console themselves and they will say, Jesus showed up, you know, <laughs> like, like, like. Yeah. On, As he, if he wasn't already there. No, well, what do you like, mean? What do you in, mean? The, in the Eucharist. Oh, like, yeah. Here he says that he took bread and give thanks. And he said, this yeah. is my body and do this. And this is my cup and the blood and do this in remembrance of me. And mm-hmm. for as often as you do this, then you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Yeah. And I think that there, there's this, there's always this little bit of a sense of saying like, oh yeah, you know, Jesus showed up. We are still longing for, for this all to be consummated fully in the, in yes. the parousia. Maybe there's a deeper. The second coming. The second coming, yeah. Maybe there's a deeper connection here though with, um, if we understand the backstory of Abraham or Abram in that, I mean, Abram's story is based around the idea that he is asked by God to move forward in faith, trusting in something that he cannot see. Right. That's who he is. That's that's the identity. Yes. And you fast forward to the second reading, what Paul is describing is what Jesus asked us to do, to move forward in belief and in trust to say the words amen, hamin, which means I believe, without being able to fully see what it is we're believing. Right. So maybe Abraham is kind of the icon for the Eucharist in the sense that he was able to go for it. He, he blew it at times. He got back up. He fell back down. But he's able to move forward in faith, trusting in something he could not see, which is what we're asked to do every single time we go to Mass, is to trust in something that we cannot see. Oh, this bread, this thing that tastes and smells and feels and, and, and looks like bread and wine, it's not. All of your senses are deceiving you. Cool, let's go. Right. And, but that's what we're asked for every single time. Mm. So we're asked to model the faith of Abraham. And we believe in a time that the veil will eventually be lifted and we'll be able to see reality for what it is. But right now we live in this moment where I need you to move forward not being able to see in fullness yet. Can you do that? Right. And that's what, that's what we're asked to do. Well, and, and I think that that's a, 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 despite the technical meanings of the, wor- of the word remembrance. Yeah, anamnesis. In Greek. Anamnesis. The, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily Zakar. Not but, but necessarily, close. but well, that's the Hebrew, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the like the, the, that idea of remembrance is to say, like, no, like we have to go back to the moments of where things were working. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you, you go along and because yeah. you, because oh, you're saying like, I'm gonna, and that's actually kind of what the attitude of gratitude is, is yeah. you say like. Like Jesus went back to the Jordan before he was crucified, where right. he was proclaimed beloved. You know, like right. Paul I, went down to Arabia, probably to the Sinai Peninsula, to right to, to go back to the beginning when I, his world was flipped upside down. I go back to my old neighborhood and walk by the old house totally. that I, you know, I walk by yeah. my old middle school and yeah. I walk by my high school and I and yeah. I you remember the old coffee the shops from the late nineties, oh. Cafe Euphrates and Muddy's and Paris on the Platte. And I remember Paris on the Platte. Yeah, man. Oh man. So like, so like, I, I go back to Crossroads Mall and May D and F and the Denver. Now you're living my childhood. Yeah, that's you right. Stay out. Yeah, <laughs> stay out, <laughs> of, stay my out of my childhood. No, <laughs> I want to join you there. <laughs> no, no nope. but 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 but, the, but do this and remember to me is yeah. that the bro the broken bread is this is the greatest communion that the people in the community, our people, felt with Jesus. 
like that that was that was like it, it was celebrated at the most important points of life and so do this mm-hmm. and when he says do this in remembrance of me he's kind of messing with the whole liturgical mode he's mm-hmm. he's messing with things and changing it just enough that it's actually substantial and so that we can say oh yeah remember how he totally messed with the, the that form was <laughs> so that we can say oh this is who he is and we uh-huh. remember how what what the experience of our community and our people were in that in that moment I think you've actually created a very good segue into the gospel. Maybe were you intending to? Because I think it fits pretty well. I, I was not intending to. I was just kind of meditating. I was just kind of riffing on on like, so let's get into the well, Luke. Because in a certain sense, that's what Luke is doing. He's right. calling us back to this really important moment that sort of foreshadows all of it. Oh, yeah. So you got Jesus. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. We're in chapter 9. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God. He's preaching. He's saying, this is what it's all about. You guys are missing it. And, and if he's preaching to the crowds about the kingdom of God, what he's essentially saying is what you think it is and what your eyes and your senses tell you are wrong. Because the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like, you know, all of these things that he talks about. That's what he's doing. And he healed people who needed to be cured. And the day was drawing to a close. And so the 12 approached him. Now, I have a question for you because I just I heard this in a different way yesterday. The 12 approached him and said, dismiss the crowd so that they can go into the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions. This is the desert. There's, there ain't no stuff here. But I heard their voice in a different way. And I don't know if I'm, I might, I might be wrong on this. The 12 approached him and said, hey, dismiss the crowd. And it sounded like, I mean, in the Greek, I think it is the imperative. So they're giving Jesus a command. They're like, all right, that's, I, you can almost picture them like, all right, that's enough, Jesus. It's getting late. Enough preaching. Enough healing. It's time to go. Dismiss them already. And I I could be totally wrong. And maybe it's just where I am in life. I'm catching an edge in their voice. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah? I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting play here because they do speak in the imperative. They are commanding Jesus to do something. Which, man, it never, never goes well idea. for us when we do that with God. Unfortunately, here it does. Well, I guess you're right. Because God can use it. That's the thing, though. Dude, He's like, oh, you guys don't know what you're saying. However, I'm going to flip it on its head. Dude, I'm going to flip the script. I like that. I like that contemporary word, that like kind of rhetoric. Because what does he say in response? Give them some food yourselves. Do sucker. it yourselves, <laughs> sucker. And I'm almost catching this like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't D- know. Dismiss the crowds. He's like, do it yourselves. Do it yourselves, guys. And he's not taking it. He has no no time for their edge. We're not gonna take it. And they're like, "Well, it. we don't have anything. We have five loaves of bread and two fish. That's it. And unless we are, so, oh, what do you want us to go to Costco and get all the stuff for the people? Because the men alone numbered five thousand. And there's probably more women based on Jesus's audiences. There are probably more women and children than men. So there's probably at least ten to fifteen thousand people there. Right. Which is crazy if you think about it. Right. He's like, "This is what we got." And I almost wonder if they're. I don't know. I don't want to make the apostles sound worse than they are. I know they're kind of boneheaded, and I don't want to make it worse. But I just wonder what they mean when they're like, look, oh, are they mocking him? Are they being sarcastic? Oh, we have five loaves of bread, Jesus. Is that going to feed the 15,000 people? They're tired. They're hungry. They're probably hangry. You know what I mean? They've been traveling around. They're human beings. I just almost wonder if there's a sarcasm in their voice. And they're like, oh, here's five loaves of bread and two fish. That'll do it. What, do you want us to go to... The store ourselves? Like, wh- what do you want us to do here, Jesus? You kept us here too long. You healed a few too many people, man. You preached a little too long. Your homily was a little long today. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just hearing it in a particular way. Because this is the struggle of faith. Right. Well, right? Well, it's just it's just funny because, Scott, as you're talking. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, in a bad mood. No, I'm no, not, no, I'm no. Not really. No, I'm just like hearing 
like you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, no, Jesus. No, no, no. That, that but that's a, the, the reason why I say that. Not yeah. not just no, to, I, no, not I, just I, to like lay you bare on the podcast. Yeah. Is to say like no. It's, it's a precisely when you're praying through the scriptures that yeah. that kind of stuff is, actually gets really important. Yeah, the right. the tone that you're experiencing in, with the apostles as they're approaching Jesus. It's where yeah. It's it's just kind like where I'm at. Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, you know, right? right. And it's like, like, when are you going to show up, Jesus? When are you going to show up, man? Like, like, and he's like, show up yourself, and you're like, that's the problem. <laughs> that's not helping me. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I do, like my the ocean is so big and my boat is so small. I got that. I like 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 I, yeah. I, I'm like like they're like like is this? Are you serious? And then he says, okay, but I, I'm gonna step in, and you're like, Lord, I really hope you do. Well, because he he doesn't change from the do it yourself. He still says do it yourself, but he says, okay, here's the step by step instruction. You're still gonna do it. Right. Here's what I need you to do. You go put him in groups of fifty, right? And then they did so, and they took the five fish, uh, the loaves. They look. He looked up to have. He took it from them, and actually, Luke gives you the formula for the Eucharist. Right. I don't think this is the Eucharist, but Luke is pointing you toward what's gonna come. And he gives, it's, I always call it the Luke, the four Luke power verbs, <laughs> took, blessed, broke, and gave. Mm. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to whom? To the apostles, to give to them, which comes back to our whole discussion of the priesthood. Right. The only way the priesthood of the Catholic faith is the priesthood is because it comes from Jesus. And the only right. way the priesthood works is if Jesus, like Hebrews says, is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, who was priest, king, king of peace, king of righteousness. And the job of the priests is to go to him constantly, whether out of frustration or a little bit of sarcasm or just desperation right. or emptiness, whatever, and receive from Jesus what you are to give to your people. You do it. You are my priest. It's almost ordination language, right? Your job is to go out. I'm going to give you the materials, but you got to go do it. And so he does it. He shows up. Right. <laughs> there's that line again, right? Yeah. He showed up, which shows you the irony because there's no showing up. He's just there. They just need to listen to him. Right. It's not that he wasn't there all of a sudden and then he came. Oh, you came. Thank goodness. No, he's like, I'm here. Right. Give me your fish. Give me your bread. I'm standing right, right here. Right. Ask me a question. Right. Let me give you the grace to go do this. And then there were 12 stinking baskets left over. Right. Just to drive the point home that, yeah, you think I can't show up? I got more than Costco. Right. I got the tw- Costco. Costco's going to sue us. I got the 12 wicker <laughs> <laughs> baskets. Costco's always in bulk, right? right? So it's like Jesus. It's like the Costco gospel. Maybe that's the name of the podcast. Costco this gospel. Week. Everything is in bulk, right? Right. They don't need 12 baskets left over. Like there's, there's not that many of them, at least once they leave there and, and they get on their way. But I mean, Jesus gives the grace in abundance. Right. I don't know. There's something to that, I think. Oh. There's a lot more we can say about the twelfth, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 but I, I, I just love the reality of if he's he never takes away the idea of give some yourselves, yeah, because he just gives it to them to give exactly, and and that's actually why like the beauty of the entrustment of the church with his precious body and blood yeah. is that yeah. he gives us himself, and that that ultimately at the core of what's happened is that it's this it's this preparation so that we understand that everything he does is the movement of the 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 gestures and the signs the sacramental life that he pours forth has the full gravity of the celestial um organization of all the bodies of heaven and the ocean yeah. it has all of earth behind it and it moves entirely 
in a way that has actually been placed into our hands, into our mouths, mm. uh, and before our eyes, mm. so that we can say, behold your God, you are invited into his very in, inner life. So um, that is uh, that is like the, the mystery of, of this, of this entrustment of his, his full self to us. So, amen. Amen. Love you guys. We will be back next time. See you soon, you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T. And you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.